we get to John 10 today. John 10 is perhaps the most wonderful chapters in all the Gospel of John. And this is a passage about Jesus who is the Good Shepherd. And we love that. And if you've been around in, a, in, in church for many years, you would, you would be familiar with this passage that Jesus is the Good Shepherd. Even from very young age in, in Sunday school, in kids' church, they would, they would draw about Jesus and, and cute little lamb and children and all the stuff. This is a picture of Jesus as a Good Shepherd. Now, but the problem is, we often do not understand or truly understand what does it mean for Jesus to be a shepherd. Well, because we're living in Melbourne, in, in a modern society, uh, in, in cities, and we're not aware, really, what, what is a shepherd? What, what does a shepherd do uh, day to day? And what does it mean? And what, what does it mean for Jesus to say that he is a shepherd? Some of us don't even like that idea of our Lord Jesus as a shepherd, right? Because we want Jesus to be our king. We want him to be king who can heal my sickness. If you have cancer, you say, I don't want Jesus to be a shepherd. I want him to be a good doctor who can heal me. I want Jesus to be God who, who can give me a good job. I want Jesus to be powerful enough to change my kids' hearts. I want Jesus to... Help me with my broken marriage. Whatever it is, we, we want Jesus to be powerful. We want Jesus to be God, to be king. Uh, but we, we might not like the idea of a humble shepherd. Because we want a powerful Jesus rather than a humble shepherd Jesus. Now, this is perhaps because we have misunderstood what Jesus meant when he said, I am the good shepherd, or because we just don't know what a shepherd does. And that's what we're going to look at today in, in this chapter, verse 1 to 21 especially. What does it mean for Jesus to be a good shepherd for us? Okay, now, where are we now in the, in the Gospel of John? So just to get us um, oriented, we are in chapter 10, so... This is our 26 sermons on, on the Gospel of John, so we, we are a long way in. And in the book of John, there are seven famous sayings of Jesus, the famous I am saying of Jesus. We have looked at two before. In chapter 6, we look at Jesus as the bread of life. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And then in chapter 8, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Now, in this passage, it's quite special in, in, in that we, we have two I am statements of Jesus. And the first one is, I am the door, Jesus said in verse 7, chapter 10, verse 7. And then later on, he says, I am the good shepherd in chapter 10, verse 11. So we're going to look at two out of seven uh, famous I am statements of Jesus today. Now, to help us as well today in this passage, we're going to look at three under three headings. The first one is the good shepherd. Now, the bad, the dumb sheep, second one, and then the great savior. Let me repeat that again. The first one, the good shepherd. Dumb sheep and great savior. Easy enough. So let's look at verse 1 to 5. If you have your Bible with you, would you, you know, look at that and read along with me. And verse 1 to 5, the good shepherd. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, 
that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeepers open. The sheep hears his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Now, let me explain the picture in this first five verses here. Now, in the Near Eastern culture, often they, uh, the ship owners put their ship together in a ship pen, perhaps to cut costs. So they put a they, they would gate uh, build a gate a fence around these ships. So not just one owners, multiple owners put all their ship together, and then they would hire a gatekeeper. And then when a ship uh, a shepherd come in this picture, we see Jesus come as a shepherd. The gatekeeper would open the door, the open the gate for, for the shepherd. And the shepherd will call, and in the Near Eastern culture, society, they would often whistle, for example, they, they would have a distinct whistle that the sheep would understand, would recognize the, the sound of it, and would follow the shepherd. Well, the other sheep will not follow. <laughs> Only the sheep that owned by this particular shepherd, as he whistled, as he calls, would follow him and he would lead them out. And the rest would, would stay, you see. Now, and, and Jesus basically here in this passage here, in the verse 5 verses say, he's the shepherd who calls. So that's, that's a point here. He's the shepherd who calls by name. This is, this is the picture, what we see. Well, usually shepherds called by whistling, by sound, uh, a group, a flock, a group of, of, uh, of sheep, a flock of sheep. Um, Jesus called by name, not whistling. Now he called by each name and they would recognize. And this is what Jesus meant when he says in verse 3, to him the gatekeepers open, the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So a couple of questions. The first one is, who is this shepherd? As I said already, um, Jesus said, you have to keep reading to find out, right? This shepherd. In verse 5, uh, 1 to 5, you, we have not read that. But in verse 11 and verse 14, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, referring to himself. So Jesus is the shepherd here. But Jesus said not just he's a shepherd, but he's also, he is a good shepherd. So what is good about this particular shepherd? What does it mean? In its original language, the, the word good here means true or genuine, not false. And also, it means beautiful. So it's beautiful and it's true and genuine shepherd. And later on, uh, Jesus described in a similar way, but he described himself then as the true vine. So now he say, I'm, I'm the true shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the beautiful shepherd. Later on, he said, I'm the true vine in chapter 15. So what we've seen here so far is that Jesus doesn't whistle and call a group of people, a flock of sheep. He called each individually. So that's unique about Jesus calling as a shepherd, right? Jesus, in, in a sense, how, how is this amazing is that Jesus knows each and every one of his sheep. He knows each and every one of you and he calls you by name. Now, this is... 
And another thing about, about how amazing this is, I want us to realize this is this, that Jesus knows us intimately. He knows us deeply, yet he still calls us by name. He still loves us and calls us by name. I don't know about you, but I, I know I'm, I'm far from perfect. And if, if people would know my life completely and hear all my thoughts and all my worries, all my struggling, all the mistakes that I've made in life, and perhaps people wouldn't, be wanna, wouldn't wanna be my friend. Now, how about you? Imagine this, if, um, just think, think about your life for a moment. Imagine there's, uh, there are live cameras following your life 24 seven, from very young, from your born, the day you're born till day you die. Not only that the camera records what you do and broadcast it, but also can record what you think inside your head. All your thoughts and broadcast that. What, what kind of picture, what kind of picture people would see in your life? Would people still like you? Would your spouse still like you? If your spouse knows everything that you're thinking in your head about them. Now, uh, if we are honest, perhaps I think most people would run away from us if they know us so deeply and how corrupt we are in our actions and in our thoughts. Yet Jesus, who knows more than anyone about us, about you, even yourself, including yourself, Jesus knows more about you than you. Yet he still loves you and calls you by name and leads you. So that's how amazing it is when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd who called each of my sheep by name. Now, Jesus knows that our hearts longs for a shepherd. He created us. The Lord God created us and he knows our heart, deep down in our heart, longs for a shepherd. And because that's how he created us, you see. Now, the, this is why I believe the reason some of us would, uh, would whenever we, go, we get into an uncomfortable situation, whatever the uncomfortable situation is, a situation that we do not want to be in, either losing a job, uh, losing a relationship, or sickness, whatever that may be, that situation may be, whenever we face that, we would run away from it. We would go and seek comfort. In other words, we would want to go and seek a shepherd. Because we are created in such a way by God uh, to long for a shepherd. So our hearts longs for it. So whenever we do that, we run away uh, to a shepherd. But the problem is this. Instead of running away, our hearts are designed to long for a shepherd. But we wants, God wants us to seek the good and true and beautiful shepherd. But we did not, you see. We run away to another shepherd. Sometimes we run from one shepherd to another shepherd. And that's what we did. Now, being a nation... I think I can say this. So being a nation, I, um, I have witnessed how, how, how common it is in my parents' generations to, uh, to want more kids, to want more children. And one of the reasons, one of the 
common reason they want more children is this. It's not, it's not that because they don't have entertainment and all they do is making children and, and breed, you see. That, that's not the main reason. The main reason is because they, they see children as as uh, opportunity to get to be prosper to be prosperous in their life now in other words these parents in, you know people in my my parents generation being a nation especially they see their children as they get out of jail ticket as as to to turn around their fortune in their life they believe the more children the better because more chances to for them, they want, they seek, they look to their children to look after them. They believe that. They believe that their children would take care of them. Um, so in other words, parents can sometimes even see their children as their shepherd. Someone who would fulfill their heart, to fulfill their needs in their life. Now, perhaps uh, not only people in my parents' generation. Some parents today perhaps feel this way as well. If your parents, perhaps you may have the same tendency in your heart to see your kids as your shepherd. Perhaps not to lead you, but as someone that you would use, that would benefit you later on. And we see that as looking for our children as our shepherds, you see. Now, as sheep, our tendency is to seek comfort, that's what sheep does, and to seek help and support and perhaps encouragement from shepherds, whoever quote-unquote shepherds is for us. Could be our children, as we've seen, could be our parents, could be our spouse, could be our career, whatever that is, whoever that may be. Who is the shepherd that you seek again and again in your life? See. Perhaps you've been looking for a shepherd to fulfill your need in the wrong places. Now, in, 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 uh, in all these things that I described, they are good things. Your children, your parents, your job, your career. They are good things in life that God blesses us with. But they are not meant to be our shepherd. They are not meant to complete us. To complete the whole in our heart. You see? Now... No shepherd, the Bible says no shepherds, this is passage as well that we're going to look at even deeper today, is that no other shepherd apart from our Lord Jesus Christ will be able to satisfy us for eternity. Not just for this lifetime, okay, for eternity. Perhaps you have a, you're blessed with a good spouse in life that would, that would love you and accept you unconditionally until you die. But what happened after you die? Who's going to be there for you when you breathe your last? Your spouse, however good your spouse may be, they will not be there for you. But only our Lord, the Good Shepherd, will say, I will be there. Be your shepherd for eternity long. There's no other shepherd can do that for you. You see? Now, remember Jesus in this context is teaching to a Pharisees, especially, to the Jews and to the Pharisee, especially. Historically, so Jesus is correcting their understanding by using this figure of speech, as it says, as the shepherd. He's the good shepherd. He's the real, true, genuine, not false shepherd of Israel. 
Because historically, the, the religious leaders of Israel were the shepherds of the people. Now, let, let's look at, uh, perhaps I, I'm going to read this to you uh, from Ezekiel 34, chapter 34, verse 1 to 4. So I'm just going to read it for us, if you could pay attention to the words and what, what he's saying. The word of the Lord came to me, to Ezekiel, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. So the prophecy is for the shepherds of Israel, the religious leaders of Israel. Prophecy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God. This is the message. This is the prophecy. Oh, shepherds of Israel, you have been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the stray you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought. With force and harshness you have ruled them. So Jesus spoke, or God spoke against the quote-unquote shepherds of Israel for abusing their call in their life. See, Jesus said, I am the true shepherds of Israel. But then interestingly, Jesus is not only the true shepherd of Israel, he's the true shepherds of all. Let's look at verse um, 14, no, 15. Just as fathers know me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. And 16, and I've, this is important. And I have other sheep, verse 16, that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. So Jesus said here, I'm not only I'm the true shepherd for Israel, I'm the true shepherd for other flock as well. He said, I am, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. You and I, most of us listening today to me right now, are not Jews. We are not the flock as in the Israelites. But Jesus say he is the shepherd also for other flock. And he will bring all of us together as his children. So now the picture of Ezekiel is, is, is pretty, pretty um, disturbing. Uh, these shepherds of Israel, so-called shepherds of Israel, abusing their power, misusing and abusing their sheep. See, other sheep apart from Jesus, this is what it says here, may take advantage of you. As you run away <coughs> from the true shepherd to another shepherd that you find comfort in, for a moment you may feel good about it. But one day, Sooner or later, they will take advantage of you. They will take advantage of you. Why? Because all these shepherds that you look for, they themselves are sheep, you see. They themselves are sheep. All these shepherds of Israel, they themselves are sheep. And not all of them realizing that. And some of us perhaps don't even realize that we are sheep. We want to be the shepherd. We want to be the leaders. We want to be the pioneers. We don't want to be the sheep who've been led. And, uh, you know, the picture of a sheep is, is not pretty as we shall see next in our second point. Dumb sheep. Now, sheep 
Why do I call dumb sheep? Well, sheep are not the smartest of animals. Sheep cannot survive on their own. You, you, you let a sheep go, they will die for sure. They will die even when, when they find themselves uh, overturned on their back. So if they were lying on their back, they will die if no one helped them up because they cannot get up themselves. So tip a sheep over, they will stay that way. They will struggle to get back on their feet. So they cannot help themselves up even. Now they're prone to wander off. They, they're so weak, but they, they, they're prone to wander off. Sounds like us, isn't it? You know, God calls us and we, we prone every now and then. Like, I mean, the longer you live your life, the, the, longer, the, the more you realize that we, we, we have this tendency to wander off from God. You know, or we, we just, after a while, we say like, I had none of this thing called Christianity or following Jesus. I just want to go on my own, you see. We are like sheep who, who like to wander off. And the problem with sheep is they're prone to wander off, but yet they do not know how to get home. They get lost easily. They, they are not like dog or even birds. Trained birds, pet birds know how to get home, but not sheep. Sheep will not be able to go home by themselves. Now, and when they're lost, the sheep are lost. The shepherd went out and looked for the sheep. The, the sheep will not go home willingly with the shepherd. They will struggle. They think like the shepherd going to hurt them or something. These are dumb sheep. They, they do not want, oh, thank you, shepherd, for, look, for looking for me. Now I'll, I'll go home with you. No, they will struggle. The sheep must be bound in order for the shepherd to bring it home. Both legs, the front legs together will be bound. The back legs will be bound together. And then the shepherd will put the sheep on his shoulder and carry it home. Now, I, I recently watched a, a funny but true a video clip of a sheep, a dumb sheep, got stuck in a hole. Perhaps you've seen that. Uh, if you haven't, Google it. Not now. After church, Google it, okay? Uh, not now. I'm serious. Don't do it now. So there's a clip of a, a sheep got stuck in a hole and can't get out. And the, the, there's this person pull the sheep out by, by the legs, I think. Uh, pull it out with, you know, with all his strength. And as soon as the sheep are released and, and he, he leaped, the, the sheep leap into freedom and then jump off. And a few meters later, it literally stuck in another hole. It's how dumb it is. It's like as soon as he got off, he ran away and stuck again in another hole. So sheep are not the smartest of animals. And that's the picture that Jesus gave us as his flock. You see, that he's the good shepherd and we are his sheep. The point is this, you and I are sheep. We need a shepherd in our life. We cannot make it on our own. Now, sheep are not create, have not been created by God to be independent creatures. Despite what our cultures tell us, be independent, the virtue of being independent. We are not created to be independent. We are created to be social, to be dependent creatures. Now, but who are we dependent on is the key here. Jesus gave us a pictures of many things that we seek that we could be dependent on. But Jesus said, I am the only true shepherd. Everyone else are thieves and robbers or hired hands, Jesus said. Now, that's the problem with sheep, right? Sheep, sheep don't realize how helpless they are. 
they don't think they need help. They wander off. They don't think they need help. Uh, they don't think they need a shepherd. Uh, they want to run free. They want to get out of the sheep pen. The sheep uh, say, this, this sheep pen here is infringing my freedom. I want freedom. So some of us feels that way. When we read the scriptures, when we come to church, when we hear the word of God, he say, all this thing that God says is infringing my freedom. I don't like that. I, I want to be free. I want to be able to do whatever I want. We are no different who, than, than a sheep who want to get out of the sheep pen. Not knowing that the sheep pen is to protect them. See, the sheep pen are created by the shepherds, by the, by the owners to keep wolves out, to keep enemies out so that they will be safe, so that the sheep can sleep soundly. See, there is no wonder that many of us today, like one of the, one of the big uh, health industry today is in the sleep business, either in a better bed or pillow, or in, in, a, in research, in sleep research, people who cannot sleep at night because of stress or whatever. We can't sleep because we look out for ourselves, you see. At night, do you find yourself having difficulty to sleep? Or you, you, are, you are the kind of person who jump on the bed and you hug your pillow and you say, ah, oh, and then you went to sleep immediately. See, only a sheep in a sheep pen, knowing that you are safe, that no wolves can come and attack you because you are under the protection of a good shepherd and within the sheep pen can sleep soundly like that. Many of us want to get out in the sh outside of the sheep pen and call it freedom without realizing that's not freedom, that's actually death for us. For a sheep, that is death sentence. Now, do you see yourself as a dumb sheep who wants to get away or not? Let me, let me well, I do sometimes. I, I feel like I um, want to get away I don't want to be a sheep. I want to be in control. I don't want to be in, in uncertainty. I don't want to be so independent uh, to be dependent. I want to be at least... See, if you are Christian, the truth is you, you, we're not all out wanting to be rebellious and in, independent. No. Most of us want to be in certain sense dependent of God. But only on certain parts of our life we say... This bit here, I, I want to be independent. I want to take control. I want to take charge of that. Perhaps that's most of us. We, we're not all out rebellious and want to be independent, but only some part of us. When, for example, you say, God, you can, you can look after everything. I want to surrender all these things to you. But this bit here, whatever that bit here, you say, I want to, I want to take control of that. I want, to, I want to look after that. For example, when, when you work so hard to make a living, Yet, when it comes to worshiping God, the one who blesses you, uh, worshiping Him on Sunday, you say, well, God, I, I got better priorities. I got a higher priority. Sorry, I, 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 can't, I can't do this. So look, look, at, look at your life right now. Is the Lord Jesus your priority in your life? Or there's other better priorities in your life, higher priorities in your life. It will speak of who is the true shepherd, who is the shepherd in your life when you see it that way. 
See, God calls us to worship, to come and worship Him. Not only, you know, daily, but there's this idea of Sabbath, a day of rest, a day of thanksgiving to God. Do you prioritize that? Do you prioritize that as a day to give thanks to God, to come and worship Him? Or if there's anything else more urgent, say, birthday party or, or whatever it is, uh, you would then prioritize that over a worship of God. Now, no matter how smart we are, how intellectually you know, speaking we are in, the, you know, in our academic world, in our, in our workplace, how good we are, when we do not listen to the good shepherd voice in our life, when we don't listen to him, to his voice, when we wander off from him, we, whatever areas of our life where we wander off from him, we have become even dumber sheep. Because a dumb sheep at least would stay in the pen and to be protected under the protection of the good shepherd. A dumber sheep would say, I don't need this pen, thinking that he's smart. I don't need this protection. I can be independent. They would wander off not realizing that would kill him. That's what happened when we think we, 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 want, we can be independent in a certain aspect of our life. When we say, God, you can, you can take care of my family. I surrender my family to you. But for my career, I'm going to do it myself. I'm going I'm to do it on my own. You know what happened? That thing will kill you like a wolf that snatches a sheep that is outside of a sheep fold outside a sheep pen so what do we need what we need is a great savior you see as a dumb sheep we need a great savior we have said that before that jesus is a good shepherd because he called each of his sheep by name no other shepherd do that only jesus called his sheep by name but jesus is more than just a good shepherd he is also a great savior. Now, perhaps you love the idea of a good shepherd who take care of you, right? But savior, you see, like I, I don't want to be, I don't, I don't need saving. You see, we, we, we live in this world where to be saved, to, to be in need of saving is weak. Hence, we don't like the idea, many people, don't like the idea, well, whether you're religious or irreligious, whether you're non-religious. Non-religious people are clear in this. They say, I don't need a savior. I don't need help. I don't need someone to rescue me. Because they see in need of a savior to be rescued is weak. I don't need that. I'm not weak. I don't need a crutch for my life. But religious people are the same too, you see. If you're religious, just... you. I make a distinction here between a Christian and, and a, a Christian and a religious person. A religious person would see that I don't need a savior in the sense that, well, <clears throat> I do need Jesus, but I will work for it. I will pay it off. How? By my diligence, by my obedience, by my serving to God. You say like, God loves me. Yes, Jesus saved me, but hey, I'm being good. I serve the poor. I go to church every Sunday, I read my Bible, I pray to God every day, I do my bit. So that's the attitude, the mindset of religious people. 
It's like, I do my part. Now I deserve to be safe. So in other words, you say, you're not helpless. You're taking control of your life. But Christians are not like that, you see. Christians are not like that at all. We are in need of a great Savior because we cannot self-help ourselves. Jesus said in verse 9, John 10 verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be safe and he will go in and out and find pastures. So Jesus said, not only is a good shepherd that take care of his sheep, but he is the Savior. He will be safe. He said, I'm the door. So this is a, 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 the third I am statement in the Gospel of John. I am the door. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. But Jesus said, I am the door. So before, in verse 1 to 5, Jesus said, I am a shepherd. I am the shepherd. I will go into the sheep pen, go through the gate. Now Jesus, I am the gate, you see. Now he's not only good to us, but he saved us. Not only we need a good shepherd to take care of us, uh, but also a good shepherd to save us. That's what Jesus said. So we, perhaps, if, we, if you have that, feeling or tendency to reject this idea, then perhaps it's all cul your culture that you, you have grown up in, have teachers asked the virtue of being independent, uh, not needing someone to help us and see that in, the, in need of need of savior is weak, it's not. It takes courage and strength and confidence to say, I need a savior. So without realizing uh, that we've been living in this way, you've been running away from one savior to another in your life. Because you say, I want to be independent. I don't want a savior. So you try to save yourself. So you thought that you're in charge, that you don't need a savior. But by running away from one savior to another, from, from, from the true savior, you run from one shepherd to another shepherd, you, you'll be enslaved by that. You're not in charge. You're actually enslaved by it. Because one day you realize that when you lost that person or that shepherd, whether it's your career, whether whatever that is, right? When you lost that, your life will spiral out of control. Because you know, any other shepherds apart from the good shepherd will kill you, will eat you alive. This is when Jesus said, John 10 verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. We think to have an abundant life, we need to work hard for it. But yet, Jesus can contrast that as being a thief. A thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy. Only when you surrender, only when we surrender to Jesus, that we may have life and have it abundantly. This is interesting, isn't it? And then in verse 12, later on, 2.13, John 10, 12-13. He who is a hired hand. Now, this is hired hand now. It's not a thief, not a robber, but a hired hand, a hired shepherd. And not a true shepherd, not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Jesus said, only I can be your savior because any other thing or person or people or career, whatever, 
will flee from you sooner or later. They will flee from you. You see, hired hand here. This is a picture of a hired hand now. So this is another picture, okay? So there's a lot of figure of speech, a lot of pictures here. Don't miss that. Now this is another one. Jesus talk about a hired hand, who is not a thief, because a thief and a robber clearly are bad, right? But hired hand may not necessarily be bad, but they would take care of the sheep for as long as it's good for them, for as long as it's reasonable for them. And when dangers come, higher hand will flee. Wolf comes, they will, they say, like, this is not worth it. This is not worth risking my life. They will run away. Now, remember David, King David in the Bible? He's known to be a very good shepherd, right? He's a very good shepherd. And unlike hired hand, <coughs> David was a shepherd to his father's flock. Now, this David is, the, the Bible's called David a man after God's own heart. This, this, this is a good man. King David is a good man in, in that sense. God calls him a man after my own heart. And the Bible's also say when he was a shepherd for his father's sheep, he would fight, he would fight the lion and the bear who would try to snatch the sheep away. Can you see that, how amazing this David is? He would fight the lion and the bear who tried to snatch the sheep away. Now, while David is better than most shepherds or hired hands that would fight lion and bear to protect the sheep, he will not trade his life for the sheep. Neither David's father would let David trade his life in order to protect one sheep. So David would fight lion and bear because David knows, I can do this. I can fight this. But as soon as David knows, if, man, I, I'm, I'm overwhelmed here. I'm overpowered by all these wolves or whatever it is, uh, dangerous lions, then David would run. He said, like, I, I will not die for the sheep. I will protect the sheep for as long as I can. But as soon as I know it's either me who get eaten or the sheep get eaten, David would willingly let the sheep to be eaten. So, 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 did, uh, so David's, father, he, David's father wouldn't want David to be, to be eaten in, instead of in place of the sheep. See, there's a limit, you see. Even though David is a good shepherd, there's a limit for David as a good shepherd to protect the sheep. He, he will say, I've, I've done all I can. I cannot help you this time because if I do, I will die. See, David is honest and he knows his limitations. How do we know that? Well, how do we know David is feeling that way how, how how do i how do we know that this is not made up like pastor 30 didn't just make this up well because david wrote the famous psalm 23 remember that famous psalm 23 uh, that all of us you know if you've been christian long enough would would love comes to love david wrote psalm 23 he sings that while he himself not a bad shepherd he's quite a good shepherd he himself is a sheep david realized that 
that he is a shepherd, but he is also a sheep in need of another shepherd in his life. A better, even better shepherd. And in Psalm 23 verse 1, we all know how it says. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. David is a shepherd, but he said, I am a sheep in need of a shepherd. And he said, my Lord, the Lord Yahweh is the good shepherd, is my shepherd, and I shall not want. See, what is David saying is this. When the Lord is his shepherd, he will completely be satisfied. He will completely satisfied. He will no longer be running away or running from one shepherd to another because he knows the Lord will satisfy. I shall not want. Or another translation say, I shall not be in need because God provides all I need. Now, and then in verse 4, later on in Psalm 23, verse 4, David writes this, says, sings this, he sings this psalm. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Even unto death, David is not afraid. Even facing death, David is not afraid because the Lord is his shepherd. Some of us who run away from one shepherd to another, when it comes to facing death, there's certain uncertainty. There's this sense of uncertainty in our life, of fear. Because we know if our shepherds, or the thing that we hang on to is not God, it's not Jesus, they will not be able to be there for us on our deathbed or when we die. Only the Lord Jesus can be there for us. So Psalm 23, no, no doubt it's one, if, if John 10 is one of the most wonderful chapter in the Gospel of John, perhaps Psalm 23 is the most wonderful chapter in the entire Bible. Now for some, Psalm 23 warms their heart. As you read and meditate on Psalm 23, it warms your heart knowing that the Lord loved them and cared for them. However, when trouble comes, even though Psalm 23 warms our heart, when trouble comes, we are still disturbed. We're still afraid. We still panic and we still run away. We still scattered. We still run to and fro, to and fro looking for a fix, looking for a comfort, looking for a shepherd, another one. Because Psalm 23 only warms our heart in good times. But when when, when trouble comes, whatever trouble that is, do you cling on to God? Do you cling on to Jesus? Or you try to solve it by running away from one to another shepherd? We do that, don't we? We say we love Jesus. The Lord is my shepherd. But as soon as big thing hits, big problem hits in your life, the first come to your mind is, who can help me? How can I to fix this. We run away from one solution to another solution. Why? Because I, I believe, because while we may have accepted that Jesus is a good shepherd, we still refuse to be the dumb sheep. You read Psalm 23, you say, oh yeah, the Lord is a good shepherd. But deep down in our heart, 
we refuse to be the dumb sheep. We still, that, we still feel like we want to be the smart one, to be the resourceful one, to be the independent one. We don't want to be the dumb sheep who are so reliant on the shepherd. Now, as we said this before, sheep got lost all the time. Uh, the problem is for sheep when they're lost, they do not know that they're lost. It's good if you're lost and you know that you're lost. Sheep are like most men, you see, when they're lost, the spouse would say, the wife would say, go and ask for direction. The man said, don't worry, I, I know where we are. You know, I know we, we, we often men like me knows things that we know, but we don't. <coughs> when sheep are lost, they don't know that they are lost. They think that they're okay. Are you lost today and thinking that you are okay? You may say, I'm okay. After all, I have a good family. I have good children. Or children have good parents. I have a good job. I have a good husband. I've got a good wife. Whatever it is that is good in your life right now. You say, I'm, I'm cool. I'm good. Is that how you feel right now? And not knowing that you're actually lost. Because you have made that good thing in your life to be your shepherd. Rather than making Jesus the true shepherd in your life. See, as sheep, we must surrender everything to the shepherd. It's good that we know Jesus is a good shepherd, but we must also admit and realize that we are that dumb sheep. Psalm 23 teaches us not only that the Lord is a good shepherd, but we need Him. We are sheep that needs Him. Being a sheep means we must surrender all our life, all aspects of our life completely to the shepherd. All of them. There's not an inch or a centimeter of our life that we can keep on our own and say, I'm, this bit here, Lord, I'm going to take charge. See, the Bible talks about our life as the temple of God, a house where God lives. What does it mean? See, I live in a rented house. In the rented house, I can enjoy it, but I cannot knock down walls. I cannot just say, oh, I don't like this wall or that walls. I'm going to knock it down. I can't do that. I'm not the owner. But Jesus say, he's the owner of our heart, our lives. He has control of everything. He can do everything in my life, in your life. Have you let Jesus do that in your life? Or you still have certain rooms in your life that you, you have a sign outside to Jesus, do not enter this one. This is my career room. You have no right here. You can, you can touch everything else. You can go to every other rooms. You can be the honored guest in this house in my life. But there's this one room you cannot enter. This is mine, Lord. Then Jesus, if you treat Jesus like that, then you're treating Jesus as not the owner of your life. You still have areas that you bar Jesus from. I want to challenge all of us this morning to inspect your own life. Is there rooms in your life? Is there an, even an inch or a centimeter in your life that you say to Jesus, this bit here, Lord? Nah, 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 nah. I'm going to take control of this. 
I don't know what, what that one inch and one centimeter, what rooms it is that you bar Jesus from entering or taking charge, taking control. There are a few things perhaps that you may have that you might want to repent today. For some people, it's their career or their wealth, their money. They say, Jesus, I'm going to give all my time to you. But when it comes to my money and my wealth, well, it's, it's mine. Uh, you, I do whatever I want with it. What, whatever that is, I want us to repent and realize as sheep, we have no need. We, Psalm 23 verse 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. When God, Jesus, is truly your shepherd, there's not a single thing that you will be in it. You'll be content, you see. When you guard a room, when you lock down a room off limit for Jesus, you will always be in need. You will not be satisfied completely in your life. So being a sheep means we must surrender all to Jesus. We cannot say to the shepherd, you can take care of this or that, but I want to control some of these things in my life. We cannot say that. We have to come to a realization that our spouse for example, cannot help us. Our children are not, are not our get-out-of-jail ticket. As much as, imagine, parents, if you put that kind of pressure on your kids. Imagine the pressure they have in their life, knowing that they have this huge burden, not from God, but from their parents. We have done God just miss... Um, we have mis or abuse or call as parents for our children when we put that kind of pressure on our children. When we think, we tell our kids, you are, we, we, of course, we don't say it in this word, uh, in this way that they are, you are my get off of jail ticket, you, you are my future, but they can sense it. The amount of pressure that they have will crush their life. Now, or, or our job, they're not the one who will provide you for your life, for your family. Even though you may think so, I work, I get paid, they provide for my family. You may think that's, that's how you get it. But behind all that is the good shepherd who provides. Of course, we got to work for it in the sense of God says if, in Proverbs, if you want to eat, you got to work. That's how God provides us through work. But we must recognize not just the gift, but the giver. We must surrender our life, not to the gift, but we must surrender our life to the giver. Not to the blessing, but to the one who blessed. So, <coughs> sheep are always in need of a shepherd. Not partially, but completely. That's why any other shepherd will fail eventually. If you run from one shepherd to another, you know they fail eventually. Because they too, oftentimes, they too are sheep. Just like David, he's a good shepherd. But he realized that he too is a sheep who needs the Lord to be his shepherd. So only Jesus is the true and good shepherd who can do it all for us. Not only in this lifetime, but also in the life to come. Not only for lifetime, but for eternity. Psalm 23, David wrote that he's not afraid even though he's in the valley of the shadow of death. He's not afraid. Why? 
Well, because David knows that the good shepherd would stand between him and death. That's why he's not afraid of death. When he's facing death, the most dangerous thing, the most fearful thing that he could be facing, David is not afraid. Because he knows the good shepherd will stand between him and whatever that he is facing in front of him. In verse 11, John 10 verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Oh, he's a good, not only a good shepherd, he's a great savior. He laid down his life for the sheep. Now, you may, you may read this many times before and it's like you feel like, yeah, well, that's good, but yeah, it's good. That's it. Do you realize how crazy this verse is? Why would a shepherd lay down his life for the sheep? The sheep is the one that is to be sacrificed, not the shepherd. Since when shepherd gets sacrificed? The sheep are to be sacrificed. The animal is to be sacrificed, not the shepherd. So when Jesus say he is the good shepherd, he's the one to be sacrificed, to lay down his life. When you read that, you say, no way. That is ridiculous. No way. You should be shocked when you read this. We are meant to be shocked when we, Jesus say, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Because the good shepherd should sacrifice the sheep. The sheep are to be sacrificed. But Jesus says, no. I will not sacrifice not even one sheep. There's a picture in the Bible elsewhere that say, when, when a shepherd lost one sheep, he would leave the 99 and to just go and risk his life to find the lost one sheep. This should shock us because it's not normal for the shepherd to be sacrificed. As good as David was to his father's flock, he will not die for one sheep. He will not. He will protect them as far as he can, but he will not die for the sheep. The sheep, after all, are designed to be eaten, to be sacrificed. But Jesus said, no, no, no. I will lay down my life for my sheep. Only Jesus, the good shepherd, would be a great savior who would lay down his life for you and I. Jesus said it again in verse 15. I lay down my life for the sheep. No one forced Jesus <coughs> to lay down his life for you and I. He's not like in a tight spot saying that, I, I, okay, I cannot get out of this. No, he say in verse 17 and 18, he did it voluntarily to the cross, die on the cross, lay down his life on the cross. 17 and 18, for this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. He says this, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down, how? Of my own accord, voluntarily. I have authority to lay it down and have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Yes, God used the people in His days, the religious leaders in His day, in Jesus' days, to crucify Him. But Jesus let that to happen. Jesus laid down His life voluntarily. If Jesus would die, think about this, if Jesus would die for you before you knew Him, 
when you are still sinners, when you're still rebelling against Him, when you live your life as if there's no God, no authority over you, He would die for you and He have died for you on the cross. Imagine, why would He ever abandon you now? He will not ever abandon you. The Bible says, God will not forsake you. No matter what, He will not let you go. Philippians, Paul in Philippians say, He who started a good work in you, He will complete the work. What it means is, He has called you. He has he died for you. He will make sure that He will lead you till the end. That's the promise of our God. He will never leave you, nor forsake you. He will never abandon you, not for one second, not for one minute. And Jesus says later, in John 15, we jump a little bit now forward. John 15 verse 5. I am the vine and you are the branches. Now this is another I am statement of Jesus that we'll look at in future. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Do you see that picture of helplessness again? Jesus did not say, apart from me, you can do something. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. For a while, perhaps, the world may deceive us like a thief and robber may lie to us. That, yeah, you, you can do this on your own. But Jesus said, no, you cannot do anything apart from me. You may feel, you may think that you can do it on your own for a little while but soon you realize they'll disappoint and if you keep on at it they will devour you they will kill you and eat you alive now only jesus who would stand between us and death who would be stand between us and whatever that we are facing in our life and he done so for us on the cross so let me close with this do you find jesus to be good in your life? Do you find Jesus to be beautiful in your life? Do you find Jesus to be true in your life? If you do, then follow His voice. Hear His voice. Like if you read John 10 verse 1 to 21 and after this you can highlight about hearing His voice. There's so many times Jesus said, the sheep will hear my voice. He listened to them. He listened to my voice. Listen to him. Like I've got highlights here everywhere where, where the sheep listen to the shepherd. So if you find Jesus to be good and beautiful, then listen to him and follow him. Let him lead your life. Let him be the owner of your life. Where there's no room that is no access for Jesus. All rooms, all access to Jesus. Because you say, Lord, I am yours. This house, this life is yours, belongs to you. For you have bought it. You have bought it with your blood. 